This podcast is brought to you by the NRCA Healthcare Program. Did you know that NRCA now offers quality, affordable healthcare options for NRCA members of all types and sizes? Visit nrcahealth.com to learn more. You've got nothing to lose and a lot to gain. Welcome to another episode of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry coming to you from the National Roofing Contractors Association, NRCA. I am your host, Jared Ribble. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Our goal is that you would be proud of the great things being done in and through the roofing industry. And I hope you learned something from this episode. For our longtime listeners, thanks for coming back. Did you catch the last episode? Two simple words. After listening, Deb from Washington, D.C. emailed saying, I love the energy and how the stories are seamlessly woven together. Thanks, Deb. The encouragement is very appreciated. And Rich from Wisconsin, after hearing his shout out, followed up. Jared, my kids love these. My son is talking about writing one of his papers about the industry based on these podcasts. Rich, that's awesome. Friends, your stories inspire the next generation. They must be told. So after you listen to this episode, send me an email and tell me something you learned. Stories at nrca.net. Stories at nrca.net. And don't forget to give this series a rating in whatever podcast platform you are listening. Now, let's start this story with a riddle. How does a four-year-old girl from Jamaica help a roofer who is homeless find his dream job in Minnesota and lift up underdeveloped communities by helping kids go to college? The answer lies within this extraordinary story. Well, my name is Shane Havens. I'm actually the vice president of production for Legacy Restoration LLCs, and we're based in Plymouth, Minnesota. Shane Havens. He met a woman in Jamaica. Over time, they begin a long-distance romance, but there was a problem. To be really transparent, um, during that time she was not here, I had uh, been doing pretty well in business, but had struggled with the success, is what I'll say. And during that time, I made some very bad choices uh, personally, which affected me with my career at that time. And actually, I ended up becoming homeless. Then Shane received a call from his Jamaican girlfriend. She had come to the U.S. with her four-year-old daughter. Would he like to come spend some time with them? Basically, at that point, talked me into getting on a bus from Chicago and taking it uh, 24 hours, I remember, sitting on that bus to get to, to Newport News, Virginia getting in the, the station that night and uh, no money to my name. My phone didn't really work. It would receive calls. And uh, as I was walking out, all of a sudden they pulled up in a vehicle. I was very thankful at that time. And then they took me to where they were staying. And that's that night the girl I was dating said to me, well, we'll never be together unless, you know, my daughter accepts you. <laughs> and so she put us two together and, and, it was pretty amazing that this four-year-old little girl, from the very moment I, I looked at her, I just had this huge smile. She made me laugh. We went out on the front porch and we sat down and we had a conversation. That little girl's name is Josephine. And Shane's heart fell in love. 
we talked, we laughed, we hung out, hung out almost every day. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that a four-year-old little girl could be so full of life, so full of energy that it really made such an impact on me that from that day forward, I knew I had to do something different with my life. So Shane started making changes. I started going to day labor to get a job. And then I ended up getting a job at Walmart and I ended up working like 90 hours a week. And it was all because of this little girl, you know, just so amazing. And um, then I worked my way back into um, where I was working 90 hours a week and making like $350 a week, believe it or not. I would go to day labor every day and um, started to be able to support us. I mean, I know 350 doesn't sound like much, but we did end up getting an apartment at that point. You know, we, we got Josephine enrolled in school found another odd job that I was working. So I was working three jobs at once. And then my former company who I used to work with had found out what I was doing and that I was doing better. So they actually offered me a job to come back to Minnesota, you know, move my family back to Minnesota. And from there just progressed to where, you know, I was making good money, making better decisions, still not making all the right decisions, but making better decisions. As Shane got settled into his new work back home in Minnesota, he would bring little Josephine into the office. Here is Karen Clary, a co-worker, remembering her time with Josephine. Being in this industry, it's a grind some days, and, and there was no doubt that whenever Josephine walked into that office door, my day inevitably got better. And she was quite little back then, and she would come in and um, hop in my lap, and we'd find some colored pens, and she'd sit in my lap, and we'd just color and draw and do handprints and then go to the copier and, and make a handprint and color that in. And, you know, she was just the most beautiful light, had a smile that was contagious, and her her personality was just always joyful and her laughter was contagious. And, you know, there there wasn't a negative bone in her body ever. Unfortunately, I focused more on my career at that time and it affected the relationship with her mother and I, and we ended up divorcing and uh, she was eight years old. At that time, they moved back to Jamaica. I was okay with her mother and I separating, but I was really heartbroken that I wouldn't be a part of her everyday life. And I'll never forget, we were sitting in a hotel room the night before she was to catch the flight to go back to Jamaica and just crying, both of us. But I, I made a promise to her at that day that I would do my best to take care of her going forward. And at that point, I made sure that her school was paid for, that they had, I sent money weekly so that they you know, had food and, and paid for the school. It's a little bit different in Jamaica where you have to pay for uniforms, they have to pay for their books, which is kind of sad to me. A poor country and they, they these people that can afford so little you know, have to pay for their student or their child to go to school. So, but I took care of that and did the best I could and uh, made sure that she had what she needed. Josephine changed Shane's life. Even though he was not her biological father, he committed to her as any dad would to their child. Did he ever consider adopting her? Oh, I, how I wish I would have at that time, because if I would have adopted her, I would, she would have been here uh, during the summers instead of there, and this may have been prevented. But I would go down and visit at least once a year. Uh, sometimes I got lucky to go down twice a year, but never enough, let's just put it that way. And I would typically spend, you know, a week to 10 days down there visiting. 
I would stay in a pretty decent hotel and then I you know, would have a separate room and Josephine would come and stay with me. Me and Josephine will just, uh, you know, hang out. But we talked three to four times a week, um, you know, serious conversations, helped out with uh, what I could as far as like homework over the phone. I found a, a WhatsApp at that time was starting to become popular. So I could do some video calling with her because I made sure she had a phone and, and, and service. For seven straight years, he managed his best to take care of Josephine as he promised. With a special birthday coming up, Shane made one of his common weekly calls to begin planning the celebration. In the conversation we were having, we were we were planning her sweet 16. I was gonna rent a hotel for her and her friends and and I wasn't gonna be able to make it. And she's like, Dad, that's okay. You know, you and I will celebrate when you come down on the third, because she had to have it the week before due to school. So and then I, I, I told her, the, right before I hung up, I said, now listen, you need to go to school and be prepared to ask your teachers about, you know, what you got to do to be ready for college in, in two years when you get out. And she's like, Dad, that's like one of the first things I'll do that week. So the last conversation that we had, it would have been August 8th, which was a Friday. Shane would never see or talk with Josephine again. We will find out what happened to Josephine in a moment, but first... Hi, I'm Jamie Sessions with NRCA, and I am thrilled to announce the launch of the NRCA Healthcare Program, which offers affordable, flexible, customized healthcare benefits to meet all budgets. NRCA's program provides tremendous value through significant cost reduction, product customization, and improved health outcomes for those insured. The NRCA Healthcare Program will help you save money, as well as attract and retain valuable employees. Give us 15 minutes and get a free evaluation of your current healthcare program and allow us to show you the range of affordable options. You have nothing to lose and a lot to gain. Visit nrcahealth.com or call NRCA program partner Vault Health Strategies at 866-431-8721. Shane Havens of Legacy Restoration located outside of Minneapolis met and married a woman from Jamaica. She had a daughter from a previous relationship, Josephine, and Shane took her in as his own. Josephine and her mom moved back to Jamaica, but Shane was a committed dad visiting annually with multiple phone calls each week. On the cusp of Josephine's 16th birthday, tragedy struck. In full disclosure, I have edited out some of the graphic details, but this is still going to be a tough listen. Out of respect for Shane and Josephine, please do not turn away. You'll be glad you stayed with us. Here again is Shane's coworker, Karen Clary. Shane called me and he was torn up and it was hard to, almost hard to understand what he was trying to say. And then it was hard to register what he was saying. It's just unbelievable. Jamaica celebrates their independence with a week-long set of parties called ATI, Appleton Treasure Island. These parties are like anything your mind can imagine about spring break in Florida, but put them on steroids. The last night of ATI was Sunday the 10th through the investigation that the last time she was on social media was about 2.30 in the morning and they figured that Somebody had uh, um, broken into her house at like 4.30 in the morning, roughly around that time, and uh, uh, just shot and killed her. And um, 
they took off the, the they have wood slats on the window and they removed them and, and went in and there was signs of a struggle that she had defended herself um, her little sister was actually there as well who was only i want to say uh, three at the time or four at the time and um they found her in the bed the next day uh, laying next to josephine when she was had been shot and killed um, but um Fortunately, her her younger sister was not harmed, other than she had was sick apparently due to something that they had. They figured that she, they had given the child to to pass out while this was going on, like a cloth rag of something sort that they put over her face. I got a call the next morning um, from her cousin who was just crying frantically, and at that point telling me that Josephine had been murdered and I at that point I didn't I didn't know what to do I mean I didn't believe it you know first I, I thought this was a joke and a cruel joke um but you know she just kept going oh this is true this is true Shane's good friend then confirmed it is true Josephine was dead August 10th of 2015 yeah he was a relative of the uh, of a neighbor in that area at that point, he was uh, became one of Jamaica's most ten wanted. About a year later, they did uh, track down the suspect and shot and killed him in a gunfight in a town about an hour away from Negril, where Josephine was is, was from Negril. So, you know, I, I always question whether he was the real one or not. You know, just that was always my my question. I don't believe some of the stories, and I, I believe that only one person knows who, who, who did it, and that was actually him or her. As any dad would, Shane grieved. And then he had a decision to make with his grief. Here is Karen to explain. What are you going to do with it? Um, are you going to let it kill you, or can you use it for good? And they made that infinite decision to channel it for good. She loved school and she loved education and she loved to learn and she was always a curious little girl and became a curious and and educated young lady. So in honor of Josephine and her love of education, Shane came up with the idea to create a college scholarship to pass on to a student who shares Josephine's passion for education. You know, I was only planning on doing a one-year scholarship just in in the year that she was going to graduate, you know, to just honor her. Scott Mullins, um, the owner of Legacy Restoration, said, you know what? We believe that you're capable of doing more, and we'd like to be a a main contributor of this. We'd like you to think about how you can make this a yearly thing instead of just a one-year situation. And I thought to myself, wow, that's pretty cool. And they committed to being a, a huge participant in this, and... So with that being said, we got the first student in and, um, you know, we started raising money. And next thing you know, I I got a foundation that we became a 501c3. So, I mean, we became incorporated. It's Josephine Lilly Wolf Memorial Scholarship Foundation. So that's a long name. And our website is actually jlwmsf.org. Raised enough money for the first year, and then uh, Legacy said, we want to at least award at least one scholarship a year ourselves. We're going to take care of one full student a year, and then you raise the money for the other students. So we created a 501c3, and we started raising money. ABC and Allied at the time, which is now Beacon, you know, they were our suppliers, and they had come in, and uh, they said they wanted to be a part of it. Shane channeled his energy, his grief, 
and losing Josephine. And this is his his channel to make life better and doing it in her name and passing on her legacy. So finding that channel lifted the darkness. So my name is Savina Kelly. I'm from Hanover in Jamaica. And I'm the very first recipient of the Josephine Lillywood Memorial Scholarship. I was, of course, in the high school when the tragedy had happened. And, you know, we had a whole assembly about it. And uh, we mourned her death in school. And so when the scholarship came up and, you know, it was, you know, of course, we knew the title and it was, you know, based off her life and uh, in memoriam of her life. Um, we understood what it meant. We understood what they were trying to do. And, you know, they explained it like the guidance counselor had explained to us previously that we want to turn the tragedy of what happened to her into something that's going to mark what she had wanted for herself. She wanted to make a name for herself. She told Shane multiple times, I want to make a difference. I want to, I want to make my mark in Jamaica. I want to be something amazing. And so even through the tragedy of what happened to her, he wanted to ensure that she still got that, that her name would still go on and she would still be a monument. And I, I really wanted to be a part of that. And I really wanted to help her gain that. But Savinia wasn't invited to the initial scholarship interview. And I, I, I was involved. I was an academic, but I was not a student leader. <laughs> and I see, uh, I guess there, that's where my, I, I fell off the criteria to be one of the ish, initial invitees. I actually heard about it from a colleague of mine who said, we're having scholarship interviews today for this scholarship. You should come by. And I was like, but I wasn't invited. She was like, just, just stop by. It's going to be fine. Savinia was the first to be awarded the scholarship. And in May 2021, the first to graduate. I have a bachelor's of business administration with, with a major in finance and a minor in economics. I love finance. I love the business world. I love how, you know, how quick and cunning and beautiful the whole process is and I just decided that that is what I'm going to pour myself into and use that to make a difference. Right now we have eight students. Uh, they don't have to pay any tuition. Uh, we pay for dorm living expense and also any books. Um, but we have we have a doctor, we have two lawyers that we're currently uh, in our stable, I like to always say. Um, we have an actuary. Um, we have a gentleman that is studying psychology. We have another one that's a history teacher. And then we got another one that is going to into criminal criminology. She wants to be a detective. So we got a diverse background of the, the, the students that we're picking. And it's really prefaced around what can we do to help make Jamaica better. That's why we've chosen the lawyers the doctor, the teachers, ones that can really make an impact. We, we're studying different areas, we're focused on different things, but the aim is to still pour into these different sections hope and positivity for a country that's going to be way better, a country that's not going to have, you know, gun violence so prevalent that it's getting into communities, getting to children. It might be small ripples, but eventually it's going to make a big echo that's going to really make a difference, really vibrate throughout the community, and hopefully we won't have a story like this the ripple effect is huge and the many lives that it's changing and will change with these students completing their courses and remaining in Jamaica and using the tools and skills they learn through their education to help make it a better place and a safer place. A roofer, homeless making bad decisions, took a stand with his actions and said, I never want this to happen again. 
and Legacy Restoration stands with him as they sponsor one scholarship every year. So which companies listening will match Legacy Restoration's commitment? Imagine being a part of taking their scholarships from 8 to 15 to 30 and more. This audience alone can do that. Go to their website and make a simple donation. I am. Go to this website, jlwmsf.org. That's jlwmsf.org. This is a pay it forward in a large way to honor a life that was taken very early, way before her time. And by donating to this foundation, you change the lives of individuals, communities, and ultimately Jamaica itself. I wouldn't be here today with, if it wasn't for her straight up. There's there's just no way fans or bots that, you know, where I was going was not in a good place. And I would not be sitting in front of you today if it wasn't for her. And I think to myself that I got this little guardian angel that I met in 2005 that has changed my life so much. I think that she was put on this earth for a reason. And the reason is to help people. I had to honor her. Through this story, I hope you learned something about handling grief. If Shane had allowed, the death of Josephine could have killed his soul and fast-tracked him back to a life of making bad decisions. Instead, he invested into the tragedy and the return is changing the culture in Jamaica. I also want to point out the example of Shane's employer, Legacy Restoration. They recognized Shane has interests, passions, and value to the world beyond that of just putting on a good roof. They partnered with him, taking his dreams beyond what he had imagined. Legacy Restoration, thank you for being a shining example of the power of investing in your employees beyond the walls of their roofing production. Shane Havens, you are an extraordinary roofer. We are humbled by your story and grateful for your courage to tell it. You are making the roofing industry better. And a special thanks to Karen Clary and Savinia Kelly for sharing their part in this story as well. If you are enjoying this podcast and want NRCA to continue producing these stories that make us all proud of the roofing industry, do two things right now. Forward this episode to one person that needs to hear it and give it a rating or comment in whatever platform you are listening. One more time, Google Josephine Lilly Foundation or go straight to their website, www.jlwmsf.org and give generously. I am Jared Ribble signing off. Be well, be safe, and be proud of this great industry. Thanks for listening. And now, a quick bonus story. My current wife is from Jamaica and lived in the same neighborhood as, as Josephine did. And it's kind of a funny story because the last time I was with Josephine was in uh, March of 2015. And I remember seeing my current wife. Her name is Misha. And at that time, I had seen her and I told Josephine, I was like, oh my God, who's that, who's that girl? <laughs> she said, that's Misha. I said, well, 
I'd like to meet her, and that's the girl I, I'd like to take out on a date. And my and my daughter looked at me and said, "Dad, you don't even have a chance. She's she's too good for you." And I was <laughs> like, "Oh my God, that's nice that my kid thinks that way about me." I thought it was funny. <laughs> 